Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week we're joined yet again by Jack Howard, and we're going to be talking about Joker. People think you're weird. They don't feel comfortable around you. I don't want you to worry about money, Mom. Or me. All that sacrifice, she must love you very much. She always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. <laughs> you're so funny, aren't they? So for this entire podcast, we're going to talk about Joker, which I think the last time we were together was at the the live recording of the podcast, which we did at the London Podcast Festival. Which was great fun. It was great fun, wasn't it? Yeah. We went on for much longer than we, than we should have done. Because <laughs> there was that thing, as we came to the end, I realised, I mean, short of actually sending somebody out with a broom to sweep the stage, yeah. they were like turning the lights on and opening Or chasing us off with the broom. It, it was like that. <laughs> but a, a lot of what we talked about then was Joker, which neither of us had seen. But we were very highly anticipating yeah, the release sh- of it. We showed the trailer and we both agreed that the trailer had us very, very hyped up and we were hoping that the film itself wouldn't disappoint. So we've now both both seen the film. So the first thing I'd say, you usually say this, but I'll say it is, this is going to be a spoiler-tastic podcast. So we are going to talk about The Joker without any sense of not spoiling it for you. So our assumption is that you've seen the film. If you haven't seen the film, my suggestion would be uh, go see it. Go see it, yes. <laughs> but also don't listen to this. Until no. Like, unless you have no interest in seeing it. In which but I would really recommend seeing it. It's a, it's worth seeing. It's very interesting. Okay, Whether well, you well, love it or, or loathe it or anything in between. Right. And then come back. Come yeah, back yeah. and hear us talk about it. Yeah, and disagree. So, well, Jack, I'm going to allow you to start in that case since you, you just said it is very worth seeing. So, initial reactions to Joker. I, I've seen it twice now. Um, and I think... I'm I'm still very a bit flip floppy on it, like. But I think it's really good. Like I think it's very interesting. I think the performance is incredible. I think it's uh, a a very original film to be seeing in 2019. Obviously, everybody's talking about how it owes so much to 70s cinema, specifically King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. But I also think that we haven't really seen anything like that really for a long time. so, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting take on it, and especially for a um, comic book character to see something taken this seriously. Obviously, everybody knows that Christopher Nolan redefined the way that comic book movies can be um, presented, but I think this has done something new again and and created a, a different way for movies to be done in that genre. And I think that because of the success of it, I find that very interesting, that I think we're going to see a shift 
in the future, which I find, again, very, very fascinating. Um, but I think there's a lot to talk about okay. in it. Um, so that's my initial right. view of it. What, what What's your initial reaction? Well, so my opening thoughts are, I mean, not dissimilar in terms of the conflict. So the first thing is that it's directed by Todd Phillips, who made the Hangover movies, which I detest. Right. I know so some... I like the first one. That's fine. Okay. And didn't see the third. Yeah, I did. Um, well, I had I, the, the, the the smarts yeah. to, to stop it too. Jackie wasn't smart. It was my job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, believe me, I didn't make this decision you know, lightly. But um, so I I really didn't like the Hangover movies at all. And I, I also have to say that I don't like Todd Phillips because every okay. time he opens his mouth, he seems to put his foot in it. Right. Most recently, there was an interview that he did in which he was asked why it was that he wasn't doing the comedies anymore. Yeah. And he said, well, they've you know, all that comedy's been killed by woke culture. Yeah. All the really funny guys can't make those films anymore. Yeah. Which you go, yeah, interesting that that was the, mm-hmm. the choice of words. But I also think trust the tale, not the teller. Totally. I think you cannot judge a movie in terms of whether you personally like the director because heaven knows there's loads of movies that I like and also I've never met Todd Phillips. I'm mm. just working from his public persona I'm sure there are loads of people who don't like me that have never met me and of course if they did meet me they'd realise that I'm lovely <laughs> um, so I reviewed it uh, it, had, it had played at Venice it got famously the eight minute standing ovation a rash of five star reviews and the top prize which I think was the very surprising very very surprising because the previous winners of that were um, Roma and The Shape of Water, yeah. that obviously went on to do very well at both the BAFTAs and the Academy Awards. Yeah, so I mean, Venice is now kind of starting gun. Venice and Toronto, but I think Venice even more so now. So there was that. And then by the time I saw it, having not read reviews, I was aware of the fact that this backlash had started. And the backlash, funnily enough, was I was first aware of when you were saying that you, that you knew that there was some argument about whether or not it was a film that was going to... Uh, that could be read as somehow, uh, you know, inciting uh, sympathy with random acts of violence. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I was apprehensive about yeah. it, just and not from a place of because I hate the argument that video games and movies are, you know, can influence people to do terrible things. I do, do not buy into that at all. But I questioned its existence in terms of do we need a story told from this perspective at this juncture yeah, in time? Sure. sure. So I went in to see it with what I think is an open mind, but also you know a certain set of uh, presumptions about it. And actually, when I saw it, I was I thought it was really strong. I thought it was really powerful. Firstly, I love King of Comedy, and there's so much of King of Comedy in it. I yes. mean, not only the fact that Robert De Niro pleased, appears to be playing a character that could easily be Rupert Popkin yeah, 20, 30 years, 30 years yeah. after having broken his way onto television by kidnapping Jerry Langford. Smug, smarmy, you know, all the things, because the whole point about King of Comedy is that Langford, is that um, Popkin is not a great misunderstood genius. He's a not very good comedian. In in fact, he's bang average. He's bang average, which actually is the genius of De Niro's performance. Yes, it is. When you finally see the routine, it's all right. Yeah, like some it's, laughs. So, yeah, but it's, like, oh, he's all right. But also, you can see the, you know, the 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 gestures. You know, it's it's all so rehearsed. It's all very practiced. But you know, my only real interest right from the beginning was show business. Even as a young man, I began at the very top, collecting autographs. <laughs> now. A lot of you are probably wondering why Jerry isn't with us tonight. Well, I'll tell you, the fact is he's tied up. And I'm the one who tied him. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I know you think I'm joking, but believe me, that's the only way I could break into show business. By hijacking Jerry Langford. Right now, Jerry is strapped to a chair somewhere in the middle of this city. (laughs) 
I was aware at the time, the first time I was seeing it, that, you know, that Todd Phillips doesn't do subtlety particularly. So the fact of all these, th- you know, King of Comedy is not a subtle influence. Taxi sure. Driver is not a subtle influence. You do half expect to hear Travis Bickle go, you know, one day this city's going to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that Joaquin Phoenix's performance was really physical, which I really love. I'm, you know, I... I I mean, yeah, yeah, let's start there. Okay, fine. Let's let's start with the, the headline, which obviously everyone's talking about, which is Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, I had thought that after Heath Ledger, I didn't need to see somebody else doing Joker, and mm. I think that I, Joaquin Phoenix took it in a completely different direction, and I'm, and I, I, I didn't have the ghost of Heath Ledger no. tapping me on the shoulder. Occasionally, there was little moments where there was a, a dialogue, a piece of dialogue that was similar, or an image that was similar. So there's actually a meme going around Twitter at the moment of the bit at the end of the movie where his head is against the cop car. Yeah, but that meme... And, has, and has someone... Put, has put all yeah. other, hey, did you notice Yes, it? yeah, 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 yeah. And all the stuff underneath it. But everyone's is... calling that person an idiot, being yes. like, no, it's not a reference. To, in <laughs> fact, actually, it's a direct reference to earlier in the film to when he's on the bus yes. and no one's noticing him. I know, because this wasn't the tag for that, hey, have you noticed Yeah, this? it was actually like, in case you didn't in catch the didn't reference. Catch it, yeah. um, <laughs> and everyone's being like, and now everyone's taking the piss out of it yeah. and, and posting like pictures of loads of films that, you know, <laughs> that aren't related. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think that there's occasionally like a little moment where I'm like, oh, that's that's so close to the Heath Ledger line or okay. so close to the to the moment there. And even the makeup sort of when I first saw it before we'd seen anything else, before we when we saw like an official image of what he looked like, I was like, oh, it looks like Heath Ledger's Joker before they got to the iconic black eyes and the red smile. It, it almost feels like it hangs over like... It feels like it's kind of in, in the shadow of except it in terms key, of its design. the key defining thing with the Heath Ledger... Is the scars. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, and that, I think it... I think what's interesting with this is that there's... Because in Joker mythology, you know, he falls into a vat of yeah. toxic whatever it is and comes, comes out, out and, he's gone and he's gone crazy. And he's, and he's, yes, exactly. Yeah. And actually, in this, the the toxic vat that he falls into is Gotham. Yes. It's just modern life. That's a really nice way of putting it. Um, and I I think that uh, Joaquin raises this film to uh, to a higher level. I think that if anybody else were in the lead role and Todd Phillips were still behind um, the camera, I think it would have been a much more bang average mm, film. Yeah. I think it. I think it. Like when you sit, for example, I don't know if you know this, but I think the best scene in the whole thing is the bathroom dance. Yeah. I think that is that is going to be an iconic piece of cinema. Yeah. You know, in the future. I think it I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And in the script, it was such an average scene. Yeah. It was and this has been revealed recently, the New York Times did a whole piece on it where Todd Phillips did a um a sort of breakdown of it. Yeah. Uh and in the script it was Arthur comes into the bathroom, looks at himself, looks himself in the mirror, throws up, hides the gun, washes off his makeup, Mm. and that's boring. And then I've got to imagine because he talks about it like, oh, me and me and Joaquin talked about, oh, that doesn't seem like a very Arthur thing to do. But I've got to imagine that Joaquin was the one who was constantly challenging it Mm. and being like, what can we do that's different? And so now it becomes this transfixing, mesmerizing, interpretive dance scene. And the reason why I love it so much is because. Uh, just just to be a bit more personal is that i i could completely empathize with arthur in certain parts of his of his life feeling angry and and just and just 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 frustrated with things and 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 it just being under the surface i've totally like that's that's why i think 
Fight Club has been so successful. That's why I think um, Travis Bickle and, and all these things have been so successful because there's an element in there of relatability. Do you know what it reminded me of very slightly? And I Go know on. this is a this is a this is, sounds like a stupid left turn. Go on. It reminded me of that bit in Love Actually, right? When Laura Linney has finally got the guy to come home with her. Yep. And she walks into the house and she says, "Excuse me a minute." And there's a shot, and you see her walk around, and she goes around the other side of the wall, and she, she just dances. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she goes back in. Yeah, again. you just see like an element of who she really is yeah. for a second. And I, it did remind me of that, which right. I think is a very different. Connection. No, but I know what you mean, and I think that bathroom scene resonates so much. And I didn't realise this until after the fact, because in the moment I was obviously completely transfixed by it, yeah. and I couldn't believe that they were doing it. Um, it just felt so bold of a move to do a whole scene like that. And I think the reason why it meant so much to me is because I could feel that his tension was up so high. I almost imagined like a um, like a thermometer that was like full. Yeah. And then he shot those men and then the thermometer dropped down to zero. Yeah, yeah. And so there was no pressure left. And all he could do in that moment was feel free yeah. and loose yeah. and just like himself. Which is also a really, uh, probably the darkest moment in it because you, that's it. Because what he's done is, and I, when I wrote the, the Observer review, I made the comparison between him and Michael Rooker's character in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, that he's somebody whose existence is defined by the fact that he can do this other, that he's discovered what mm -hmm. he thinks is a superpower, which, yeah. is, which is the ability to kill people. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's one of the, we'll talk about this a bit later, that's one of the questions about whether or not it's sympathetic because I think that that thing that toxic thing about he you know he finds his own existence by the realisation that actually he can wreak horrible damage is the most alarming thing about the film the other thing I would say is did you not feel that the the tap on the shoulder isn't Heath Ledger, but it's actually Joaquin Phoenix in You Were Never Really Here? Right, yeah, hundred percent. That's without that performance, you couldn't have this performance. Mm -hmm. You have kids, Joe. No. Nina. Her name is Nina. I've heard of these places. Underage girls. Senator, if she's there, I'll get her. McCleary said you were brutal. I can be. I mean, that was my favourite film of last year. Yeah, and the weight is, it was like one of them, he's very big, one of them, he's very small, but yeah. it's... But it's and, in, and in You Were Never Really Here, it was actually there was a fear that he was a bad person mm. oh, from yeah. the very, very start when actually he's what I would describe as like an angel. Like he's such he, a beautiful, yeah, but he's such yeah. a beautiful person in You Were Never Really Here. All he wants to do is help. Yeah. And he's someone who's suffered such horrific trauma. And in this, it's like the reverse. Okay. Like uh, he, he seems like a harmless person, but actually he's horrific. And I think that is like it's almost like the flip of each other. And I think he couldn't have done Joker without doing You Were Never yeah. Really Here first. Now the other thing I think is that all the way through the film, the, a really important part is Hilda Goodnadotti's um, score, haunting. Because for me, that was doing the heavy lifting of say, it's the low strings, it's the cellos and the bass strings. Because actually, most scores in 
comic strip inspired movies you know there tends to be there's a, there's a lot of treble that's not happening in the middle and treble ranges with with this score it's really really kept down low for mm-hmm. most of it i know there are moments of uh, incidental music which break in and uh, yeah. you know pop choice and things but the score itself it's almost like she's kind of she's dove into the bass part of the orchestra and said i want you to play and everyone else can shut up yeah and i loved that sense that it was all coming up from the streets that what he was getting was was the that told me more about the environment he was living in and yep. the sound inside his head than anything else did. I totally agree. I think that her score, if if we we're going to say, if I was going to say the best part of the film, yeah. without mentioning Joaquin Phoenix, because I think he is the sure. reason why it's as good as it is, I think that she has done something incredible. I think Oscar it's, winning? I think it's without a doubt the score of the year. Yeah. And I would be surprised if it's beaten because... It's it's just something I've not heard in this context for a long time. And I also love it. It had the same you would never really hear thing of it was being written uh, at the same time as shooting and it was written based on the script. And there was some, there's clearly an influence within the film itself. Um, so uh, when he, at the beginning, when he's pulling his, his face up to create a smile, mm. the score was being played on set f- to create an emotion. Right. Uh, and also the reason why the dance scene happens in the bathroom scene is because he had that score and played it for Joaquin and he just started to move. And I think that clearly it marrying so well with, with it has helped. Yeah. But and I it's agree. In those, it's in those fantasy sequences that we hear the higher registers that things start moving up. Mm-hmm. Because for most of the time when he's not in there, it, it's all... But also the moment at the end when he pulls the blood smile across his face. Yeah. The, the way that it sounds triumphant, but also sad... And it, it mixes the themes from all over the movie. But, but the reason the triumph sounds out is because you know it's come out of this this bass register. It's kind of it it kind of surges up like a wave, but it's horrible because you know where it's come from. Totally, it's actually come from all those all those things going on that are telling you this is not good. This is not good. This is very very bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we're agreed on Joaquin Phoenix. I incidentally, I don't think he'll get nominated. Oh wow, I think he's unopposed. I think that everybody's been talking about how amazing he is. At the moment, it feels like he is a shoo-in to not only be nominated, but at the moment it feels like, oh, yeah, he's got it. Like, almost okay. like levels of... Um, do, you, do you not... Th- okay, I may be wrong, Jack. Go on. I'm, you, I'm very bad at predicting Oscars. Is there no part of you that thinks that the backlash against the film might well... No, I think the Oscars will like that. I think that the Oscars okay. will... They're struggling for people to watch at the moment and I think that's more important to them there aren't many great male performances this year no no not at all I actually part of me even wants Robert Downey Jr. to be nominated for almost like a hat tip for 10 years of playing the same character (laughs) and so beautifully um Staying, yeah, but Jack, there it, it's not cinema, is it? Oh, it's not cinema. No. It's not cinema. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when Martin Scorsese never going to go away, is it? <laughs> when Martin Scorsese said that, uh, I'm in a comedy duo uh, uh, with Dean Dobbs, and he tweeted, he just quote tweeted the uh, the article with a picture of Martin Scorsese playing the blowfish from Shark Tale. <laughs> <laughs> and it, n- enough said. Um, but yeah, I think that the Oscars care more about ratings than okay. people think. All right, so you so you think that is a dead cert. I think it's a dead cert that okay. he'll get nominated. All right, well, and I, I almost feel like, I at the moment, he feels like he's going to okay. win. I think you've got a better take on this than I have, so I th- I'll go with you in that case. But I think Hilda 
and we've talked about this. Goodna daughter. Goodna daughter. Goodna daughter. Despite how Todd Phillips might pronounce yeah. it. Um, but you think she should win or, or she, nominated? I think definitely nominated. I think she's got a very good chance of winning. Yeah. Because I because I mean I think there's been some brilliant scores this year. Is Monos she... going to be in in is, is Monos opening in America in time? Because the Mika Levy score for Monos is just right. Abs- I don't know. It's extraordinary. I mean, it is literally like putting your head in the tumble dryer mm-hmm. of weirdness. But it's just you know just would, great. Would if she were to win, yeah. would she be the first Oscar-winning no. female composer? No, no, there've been there have been wins before, but I mean, but but fewer, right. fewer than you would want, right? Um, so okay, so those things we are, you know, we're we're on board about now. Yeah. One of the things that you raised when we talked about this before was you talked about, since I spoke to you last, mm-hmm. I've learned a word that I wish I hadn't learned. Go on. I had to say to my son, what's an incel? Right, right. And and I now know what it is, and I actually feel that my life is poorer for knowing that that's what it Involuntary is. Involuntary celibate. Yeah, and this is a thing, right? Yeah, it's a thing. There's, like, there's documentaries about it, like people are identifying as it. It is ridiculous. Um, and people were at first, you know, talking about how this film was going to be in support of these people and I couldn't think anything was was, wor- was further from the truth yeah. This and also this film was also being held up as something that people thought was dangerous and uh, I was even um, concerned it might be on the wrong side this in, is why I asked because before seeing it I know that you did have certain concerns. I didn't want it to be Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween where he was like I don't want anything to be Rob Zombie's yeah. Halloween <laughs> <laughs> but that was felt like a checklist of like here's why this guy is a serial killer yeah. and you know, he's got comes from an abused home and his mum's a stripper and, and he kills animals and now he's going to kill people yeah. and it just makes him less scary and one of the reasons why I love Heath Ledger's Joker so much and one of the reasons why for me he still is the top um, choice is that you don't know where he comes so from so he deliberately tells conflicting backstories yeah, and, and it, they're all stories totally and, and that is in line with my favourite thing about the Joker is in the comics, like a famous line that he says is, if I'm going to have a past, I'd prefer it to be multiple choice. And I think that that is... That's great. Which strip is that from? That's, that's from The Killing Joke. That's brilliant. I mean, what is it with you? What made you what you are? Girlfriend killed by the mob, maybe? Brother carved up by some mugger? Something like that, I know. Because something like that happened to me. Sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. So you see his backstory in The Killing Joke, um, and you see actually that... Because Killing Joke is a big inspiration for yeah. Uh, Joker. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's like the one that everyone goes to. Because that's where the comedian comes to. Totally, game. yeah. It's when he's a stand-up, it's him getting pushed into the vat of acid. But actually, he's the reason why he becomes the Joker is because Batman creates the Joker Um, and in this in the film it's the reverse is that the Joker is and you know we've seen that before in Burton's Batman but this time it was more like he influenced the creation of what we know to become Batman and we'll get onto that in a second because I think that's an interesting thing Um, but another thing is that people were saying that because it was thinking it was dangerous and and the checklist stuff um, the mental health element of it people and some people have got different opinions on this um, which is fair, but I feel like the mental health aspect of this is handled really well, and it doesn't feel like a checklist of stuff that they're ticking off and be like, and now he's insane, now he's become the Joker because of too much has gone wrong. Yeah. It feels like from the start he's being medicated to stop him 
from being as bad as he could be. And I think there's even a line in the film where he says, now I feel like myself or mm. something like that after he's off the pills. Um, and I think that the film is actually saying how important mental health care is. And it's showing a world that doesn't care about these people. And I myself have the opinion that it's upsetting that the NHS has such a long waiting list for mental health care and that therapy isn't so readily available I think that's a really big problem, and I think yeah. the film is saying that. There is a scene very early on in which he goes to see the person we we refer to as his healthcare worker. He's basically his liaison point between him and the, and the healthcare practices. Mm -hmm. And he's very aggressive toward her, but the point is she's the one that's being shut down. And she says that all these programmes are being shut down. What's happening in uh, in Gotham? I mean, there's a, there's a very clear kind of Trumpy thing going on here, yep. that it's the, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. All these services are being shut down. And actually, I think that that, that context of what's happening is very important. That if he can't have this... When he says, who's going to be my point of contact from now on? And she just kind of... Hmm. She rolls her eyes in a way which which suggests, yeah, that's the whole point. And what she even point blank says, these people don't give a they shit about care. you, they and they exactly. don't give a shit about me. Yeah, and that is the th that is the point at which those things tip over. I also think, um, and I think this is important. There is a big difference between a character being sympathetic and empathetic, mm -hmm. and also between being sympathetic and and pitiful. Because in the case of Arthur, I don't think the suggestion is that you sympathise with what he does. I think that when he kills the guys on the subway, it's horrible. Totally. I mean, they're horrible guys, but it, but he's, he's you know, this is the violence against violence. And this is something you can take back to, you know, movies like Death Wish, which people misremember Death Wish. I mean, Death Wish is a Michael Winner film, so let's not make any sort of great claims. Mm. But it's not the film that people remember it being. By the time you get to Death Wish 2 and Death Wish 3, it is exactly the film that people imagine it to be. But... The original Death Wish is about somebody being driven to something which is bad, which is not good, which is, you know, that they are driven to violence, you know, and it's the violence begets violence, which is kind of the argument of Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs or, you know, all those kind of classic 70s texts that we think of. I think, a Clockwork Orange as well. Like. Yeah, although Clockwork Orange is slightly different because Clockwork Orange is satirical and which Death Wish isn't. Mm -hmm. Um there is something about Clockwork Orange in terms of as soon as you put any form of violence in a costume that becomes iconic, the responses start to become the same mm -hmm. because people talk. People are very apt. I mean, we you know we currently live in a world in which America has a massive amount of guns, and Trump thinks that the solution is to stop flavored tobacco, video games, and you know you're going and add more guns. Yeah, the solution would probably be. The guns, but mm -hmm. you know, but let's talk about absolutely everything else. And I'm, as a lifelong, you know, d defender of movies, I feel the same way as you do about, you know, movies being used as a stick with which to, you know, it's just a way of getting around the. Pro oh, oh, let's let's do videos. Let's not do the fact that you can buy uh, guns. I, you know, I'm very clear about this. I know everyone has their own opinion. As far as I'm concerned, an armed society is a dangerous society, and I, you know, I, I'm very, very much in favour of gun control. Although America seems to be weirdly wedded to uh, to ownership of guns, but um, I do think that what you get is a portrait of somebody who is damaged. I mean, you know, we see there is damage in the past, but somebody who is also narcissistic and seething with rage who that moment, that dancing moment, that Laura Linney moment, <laughs> is fueled by this act of completely destructive uh, vengeance and who then, as he goes on from there, gets worse and worse and worse. No matter how much you might think all the 
you know, the cards are stacked against him in that subway thing. By the time he's asked, well, you've inspired all this stuff and somebody's died, he's like, oh, I don't care. Mm -hmm. By that point, he has tipped over into it. So I don't think the argument is that he's sympathetic. I also don't think he's... I don't think anybody would look at him and think, oh, that's a great role model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's yeah. great. I want to be like that guy. Because um, it's not like Jack Nicholson you know, saying, and I'm the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist, which is funny. Mm -hmm. It's The thing is, he's not funny. In the same way as Rupert Pupkin, he's not funny. And the, the I, for me, the key element of the film is that he doesn't understand what anybody else thinks is funny. Yes. He's a joker who doesn't and, understand... And he doesn't... He does. He's not in sync with everybody else. Another scene that I think is really great is the bit in the stand-up comedy he's when he's taking notes and he's laughing at all the, all wrong, the wrong bits. bits. <laughs> is and it's so well performed. Yeah. Um, and something else that I wanted to point out is that after that dance scene, um, I think the film changes. It, 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 Todd Phillips lenses it differently and and approaches it differently, um, and starts directing it like a comedy that's okay. that's not funny. I think that the moment when he's talking to the police and then he walks into the glass door, yeah. the moment when he's with... Uh, the, outside the, the hospital. The, yeah. yeah, outside the hospital and he walks into it. I think if that was a comedy, that would be played yeah. for awkward laughs. Yeah. But in that moment, I think it's tense. What do you think about the moment when he's in the apartment? This is, is what that, I'm about to talk about. With, with the sorry, little, with sorry, the, sorry, Jack. That's all right. Yeah, with the little person yeah. and, and, and his old, work, exactly, his old yeah. work friends. I thought, again, that was directed like a comedy because we all saw that punchline coming of... He can't. Reach he can't the, reach the the latch, and I thought. But it's not funny. But it kind of is. It's kind of darkly it? funny. Okay, yeah. All right. I I personally thought it was like because and, and in both times I've seen it, people were chuckling. Yeah. No. I mean that was that was the moment at which I thought that you, the, the, you the, you're misjudging this. Right. Not you're misjudging it. That was one of the moments. Oh, interesting. Which I, which I thought you've got you've got this wrong. Because I thought he, he was doing it from the not not from like objectively this is funny. I thought it was like. We're like we're we're totally so with Arthur, not with him in terms of like we're on his side, but like yeah. we're in his point of view that we know why he's done that. Okay, and, and like then and when that moment comes of you can go, we've jumped ahead to oh he can't go because he can't leave. He won't be able to reach it. Like we think it's a trick he's playing on him, and okay. the entire time you're not sure. Okay. That, and then and he keeps playing with him. He keeps jumping at him and. We're not sure if he's actually going to let him go, and then he just does. But see, the whole I, time, it feels like a joke. Yeah, I, see, I didn't think that. I just thought that was the moment in which Todd Phillips started to direct The Hangover again. Right. And, I, and one of the things that I like... Maybe about, I'm giving him too much credit. No, I don't think so. It's all he's the director of the film, you know. I mean, it's so it, it's, I'm, I'm sure he's thought these things through. As Frank Darabont said, nothing is in a film by accident. Yeah. Um, I think that that was the moment at which I thought, which I rem remembered, oh yeah, it's the guy who made the Hangover movie. This also relates to something else, which is... Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting when conversation. When I first came out of it, I said, I can't believe that the guy who made the Hangover movies made that film. And then I thought, no, I can believe it. And the reason is this, I think that the Hangover movies have got a really desolate view of human nature. I mm -hmm. think they're horrible films. Um, and I think that so has Joker. The difference is Joker's not meant to be funny. Right. And actually, one of the things that, that I think about Joker is I think it is a cynical and very, very depressing view of human life. And I don't have a problem with that mm -hmm. because it's Joker. Yeah. What did you what, expect? What were you expecting? Yeah. Um, I think that it was even sadder the second time around. And again, it comes from a place of empathy as well that like when you find out in the film that 
because everybody in the film is horrible. Like, there's no good people in the film, except, except for except for maybe healthcare, except the healthcare worker. And even that, I think she's like she's not quite she's not doing her job perfectly. Okay, okay. Uh, but I think Zazie Beetz is quite nice. She's the, she's the fake girlfriend. Yes, although most of the movie we're not seeing her. We're seeing we're seeing an imagination of her. Version of her. That's oh, true. Exactly, sorry, exactly. I did not need the montage. No, we didn't need that. Going, and here she wasn't yeah. there. And you remember that scene? Well, she wasn't there. Did that either. feel like to that, me that just felt like studio note that, to me? That really felt. There was two moments in it that really. The first one was there is a moment when the plot is explained. Somebody mm. actually, you know, and then there was a moment when. You know, when the, the the brilliant moment, she opens the door and she goes, "You're off, oh, you're right? The, yeah, you're the guy from you down live the down thing. the thing." And you go, yeah. "Great, that's yeah. brilliant." And everybody and in the cinema, I hear them go, the oh. goes, "Yeah." And then it's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> she wasn't there, and she wasn't there, and Bruce Willis is a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> he just got some sense. He just starts revealing oh. all twists in all of cinema. <laughs> I know. I've been here for the last hour and a half. But also, the film is flagging right at the start. He fantasizes about stuff. Yeah. So I'm going, okay, this is probably not real. Yeah, and it's probably not real from the moment that she, stu- she yeah. says, yeah, that's really, you know, you're great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course f- I'll go out with you. Totally, yeah. And, and all the moments are so like, they're such um, little uh, moments of, of, of levity in the film uh, that I was like, we're not seeing anything. It's just like her laughing in a, in yeah. a cafe and her in the audience, like being there with him. And it's like, there's such non-scenes yeah. that it felt already like, oh, this is part of his whole com- fantasy. And they're completely unlike the whole of the tone of the rest of the film. Yeah. And and I liked that it was there, especially in the hospital when she was like, she'll be all right. Yeah. Do you want some coffee? It felt soft place to land. It was like, yeah. he has a... What do you think about the Gary Glitter scene? So this is what I was going to get to. Um, so I have a very conflicting opinion on this. And I imagine we both do. Yeah. Okay. So... I think it's fantastic as a piece of cinema. I love that it's there. I think it also makes me think of something else that we can talk about. Mm. Um, but the I ro- love that the it... The royalties issue bothers you. The royalties... So, so we'll talk about the negativity first. Okay. That the negativity of it is that it's Gary Glitter, which is terrible, and he's going to earn a lot of money off of it. And I, But the good side of it is that I hope that Todd Phillips knows that it's Gary Glitter and that some people will watch yeah. it and tap their foot and be and almost sort of revel in it a little yeah. bit and then realise maybe after the fact, oh my God, I was part of that. Yeah. Like I was kind of into it yeah. and it was Gary Glitter. So coming out of it, they, they'll have to challenge their own experience, which yeah. is I think what kind of the film is about, that yeah. like maybe you're part of something that you don't really think you're part of and you're you're not as switched on in that way as as maybe you care to believe you are. But then I think, this is the director of The Hangover, and he put Mike Tyson in that film, and he is a convicted rapist. And I think that that is like a conflicting thing I have. that We've said earlier, like, don't judge, you know... Yeah, trust the tale, not yeah. the teller, yeah. But I can't help but be like, it is the same person who did that as a joke. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Of course, you could, because people say to me, you, uh, well, you know, your problem is you, you, you just, you, you're so aware of it being Todd Phillips. Go, yeah, it's because his name's at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and, I'm the, and I'm really sorry that I've seen the other films. Here's my take on the Gary Glitter thing, and I, I'm same as you, I'm conflicted. First thing is from the royalties issue. I have tried to get to the bottom of whether or not Gad still gets royalties from those songs. There was a story that he had sold his back catalogue some years ago, and okay. I don't know whether it's true. Um, I know that there have been stories saying he will get royalties, so I don't know definitively either way. But it's all headline stuff. It, it, it's, it's all this stuff that's getting shared. It, 
yeah. oh, Gary Glitter to earn thousands, and we yeah, all go, exactly. oh, I suppose he will then. Yeah, but so, no one really no, knows. I don't, I, you know, and I don't know, and I have tried to get to the bottom of it, but I can't, okay? So we'll have to, for the moment, park that. But I mean, if, the, if, if he does get royalties from it, there's no question that that is a really, really uncomfortable and, you know... And, and maybe not worth any of the... Exactly. The feeling of the exactly film. so. When I saw the film as I was watching it, I actually thought that was the moment at which the film went bad guy. Yeah. Because I thought the, fa- the fact that as soon as I heard those drums, because, you know, if I'm the age I am, as soon as you hear, boom, 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 you immediately think paedophile. Right. I mean, it's like, it's, it's astonishing because I have many friends who work on those, those um, you know, t- the Top of the Pops programmes, you know, that you see on BBC Four all the time. And sure. you're constantly just having to cut out Right. You know, people like Gary Glitter, who, for very good reason, are no longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you but know. apparently, they use that song a lot in sports events yeah, in America. This is, so this is the point. Okay. So firstly, there is a version of that. I mean, the, that song is co-written by Gary Glitter. I think Mike Leander, and there's a version of it as well, which is credited to the Glitter Band as opposed to Gary Glitter. And in fact, on the IMDb listing of it, it lists it as um, uh, "Rock and Roll Part 2 by the Glitter Band. Not okay. Gary I don't know whether any of this has any relevance. The point is, that song was used as a sporting anthem for ages. In America, it's referred to as the Hay Song. Yes. And so there is a cultural thing, which is that when you hear the... In America, they think sporting event. And of course, it turns up in any given Sunday, the Oliver Stone film, which I think was made before any of the, the revelations broke. Okay. But it, so it, was, it, it, it has a popular place in uh, American sporting culture. However, I don't think for one minute... I mean, I thought that everyone now knows, including the Americans, because in fact the NFL have stopped using it. Right. Or there's been so there's no of, there's no way it got all the way through the editing process. There's no way that without somebody going, no, do you know? There's no way. No, <laughs> there's no way that they didn't know. And I think exactly the same as you did. That there's two things. On the one hand, it's the film going bad guy. Mm-hmm. That the sound that he's hearing in his head is Gary Glitter. Okay, bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the, from now on. If you if you're sympathising now, mm-hmm. you're on the you're on the, you're wrong, on the wrong side. And then the other part of me is thinking exactly what you said. The guy who put Mike Tyson in that movie, which is and particularly since his recent comments about woke culture, yeah, there is a part of me that wonders whether it's just him going, yeah, you know, because I, I want to say as well that ultimately. When I've seen a lot of interviews with Todd Phillips about this film, I actually quite like him. He seems to have, he seems to be very intelligent. He seems to be well spoken. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and he's not really putting his foot in it very often. And then it's just this, again, it's one headline where he said. It wasn't a headline, well, it was buried right, in the article. Sure. But like it's it, but uh, it's getting around as a headline. Thing. Yeah, but it was in it was in an article about Joaquin Phoenix, and actually yeah. a very very uh, laudatory article about Joaquin Phoenix's thing, in which as a sub as a sub bar of that, mm-hmm. they'd gone and spoken to Todd Phillips, right? And he'd said, "Yeah, well, woke co- try making comedy in this woke culture. This they don't want culture. it exactly. It's funny guys can't make films yeah. anymore." But I and I think that's a shame that he said that, and, he, and I wonder why where that came from because there's no none of that attitude in any other interview he said so I do like him and I think he's switched sure. on okay. in terms of the way I'm viewing him for this film okay well that but, you know more than I do Jack because my experience of him is very other than the films themselves mm-hmm. and we keep coming back to this trust the tale not the tale yeah but that's but I, but I am conflicted because he is the same person who did that and he is the same person who I know to have been at the Molly Bloom poker games amongst people like Tobey Maguire and Ben Affleck and Leonardo DiCaprio so he's clearly got like this, I don't know, this very masculine energy to him. Um, but with the, 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 the press for this film, I think mostly I've seen him be pretty switched on about stuff. Okay. And that's a shame that he went and said that thing because yeah. I think it is tainting yeah. part of the film and you can't help it. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the Gary Glitter thing also put me in mind of something else in the film. And I couldn't help but have my brain go there. That... Arthur himself might be a paedophile. Ooh. Um, I think there is a such a focus on children in the whole film. You see him on the bus entertaining a little boy. When he's in the in the lift with uh, Zazie Beetz's character, there's a focus on her daughter. When he goes to the children's hospital, and uh, and then also before we assume he might have killed Zazie Beetz when he leaves, we don't know what happened. Mm. The last thing she says is my daughter's in the other room mm. and I couldn't and I, know, I don't know if it's intentional or not but my brain couldn't help but go there okay. especially with the use of Gary Glitter and all the sort of the weird sexual underter- undertones of the film him having a pornographic book yeah. um, and him there's also a shot of him like it's very subtle but him masturbating in the background of a shot just after he's got in the fridge it, it, like, it's before he gets the call to tell him that he's going on the right. on the show there was just something about all that energy in the film that made me just and I, yeah, I don't know if it's based on anything but I couldn't help but consider it I think it's well I, I think that that does that kind of falls in line with what I was saying about you don't hear Gary Glitter without thinking massive alarm bells yeah. you know and because and crucially it's the sound in his head yes it's the imaginary sound and in the his dance head. he's doing it's, I mean, it's incredible on the on the stairs, but it ends with him like. No, he's like, doing Gary Glitter. Right. Yeah. He's he he is doing an impression of Gary Glitter. Right. Which which is kind of particularly if you were somebody who, for whom Gary Glitter was a figure in your childhood, along with Jimmy Savile. Mm-hmm. You know, you those things are now really really alarming. And so, like the fact that he's linked. Like he's linking the Joker to the Gary Glitter, yeah. and, and I, I didn't know the the dance specifically. Well, I, was okay. a Gary Glitter. That's how I read it because right. that's what it looked like he was doing to me. Because Gary Glitter used to do that, you know, that kind of hands in the, you know, right. He, I mean, it is amazing. It is amazing now that you 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 can. I know this is terribly after the fact, but you can look back at things that we were all completely used to, and right? Go, Oh my god, that's that's so terrifyingly creepy. Got it. You know, I know the what the, you know anyway, but I thought. It was being flagged up as a pointed thing, but then I've heard other people say, um, people whose opinion I respect, who hate the film, and I know people who think it's the worst film of the year. But I, I think, think that's that, why it's interesting. Yeah, exactly, and you know, so to, almost to kind of to, to bring this to a conclusion on this on this note, I think what's most fascinating about it is this: firstly, it has polarized opinion, but secondly, it is possible to have a discussion about it. I think from from both sides, and 
And I hear both sides of the argument. I mean, I hear people saying, it's Todd Phillips, mm-hmm. the guy who, you know, blah, blah. I hear people saying, it's Joaquin Phoenix, the guy who made this. And I, I myself, was I tried really hard. And in fact, when I wrote my Observer review, before you had seen the film, mm-hmm. I emailed it to you to just say, you know, just just read this for me and you were very kind you said it was you know it was a nice piece but what i was basically asking because you hadn't seen the film was i was trying as hard as possible to be completely balanced about it and the fact is that when i saw it i thought this is pretty good and weirdly thinking about it afterwards i found it much more troubling the more i thought about it the kind of the less I liked it, but now the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of going back to my and I and I I, ha, I have to have nothing but admiration and respect for a film for, for from whatever wherever it's coming from that did that. Also, the other thing I would say is I say that it, you know it depicts a cruel and nasty view of the world. I think it is cynical and and all those other things, but. I can tell you 20 films that I think I could apply that to. Yeah, it doesn't and, mean that it's in support of. No, exactly. And uh, uh, and so so consequently, by my own criteria, I come out of it going, okay. Yeah, you know? I, I agree. I think when I watched it, I, I came out unsure, but I, I, it was such, such a lot to process, but I've had countless conversations about it since. I think it's, that's why I think it's one of the best films of the year is because it's creating discussion and interesting discussion. Before we finish, I'd like to talk yeah. about one yeah. other aspect of it. It is a Batman film. Yes. Right? And it is not hiding that it is also a Batman film. No, because you've got, you know, the Waynes and... You've got the Waynes and Bruce, and, and you've Zorro. got Zorro, and you've got the death of, of, of them. And so that was another thing about the, the paedophilia thing, is that, again, my brain couldn't help but go there. When he's with Bruce and he's doing magic, mm. he's having him play with a phallic object that... Is erect and then isn't, and it all just felt very creepy to me. And when Alfred finds out who Arthur is, he checks Bruce one more time. Like he he pushes him away and is like, "What the hell are you doing?" And then when he finds out I'm when he says I'm Arthur Fleck, I'm Penny Fleck's son, he checks Bruce one more time and pushes him away even further. And there's something about that knowledge that there's something they know that he doesn't, and and it might be what we find out that he's adopted and could be Mm. Thomas Wayne's son or whatever. But there was something about that that made me feel very odd. And I, I think that no one's really talking about it, but maybe it's just me that's seeing it. But there was something about his atmosphere with children okay. that made me feel very uncomfortable. But anyway, I think it does all the stuff we've talked about, all the interesting character study, the the uh, the downfall of mental illness, the the what's real, what's not. And it also revels in Batman lore. It also goes... That's Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's going down a down a pole. That's how he's introduced yeah, into yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's Alfred. That's Thomas Wayne. <gasps> That's where they're gonna they're gonna get killed because they've just come out of Zorro. And it's doing although, that. Although of course they've come out of Zorro the gay blade, yeah. nineteen eighty one film, not Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> but that is all it's all pointing and winking at you. Like and I even heard somebody in the first screening I, I saw it in when he met the child at the at the gates, somebody whispered, That's Batman. And I was like it's doing both. And I wasn't sure in the first time I watched it whether or not I liked that it was doing both. Whether it was trying to be this sort of taxi driver-esque character study and also it was going, uh, Batman stuff. This is cool, isn't it? Look how it links to Batman. Oh, and, and they get shot because of him. <gasps> like, it was doing both. And I, and I wasn't sure if I liked that. And I didn't like, at first, that they were trying to imply that the Joker and Batman could be brothers. 
that and you know it's still hanging because they find that note uh, of uh, from on the back of a picture about her smile yeah, but so it's that, still hanging there. Okay, so you so you think there is an implication that he is? No, well, I think I think that if somebody, th- I don't think they are. He's I think adopted. I think yeah, but but in the film they say she says he fabricated those yeah. those documents, okay, okay. and he's a powerful man in a Trump esque okay. way that okay. that could be possible. Okay. But I don't think they are. But I think if somebody came out saying I do think they are related, I think they you know they did fabricate it. Okay, I would be like yeah, it's up to you, because um, I don't think the film gives you an answer and. Anyway, that whole storyline at first, I was like, okay, this is, it feels a bit Blofeld and Bond being brothers in Inspector. Yeah. Uh, who cares? Yeah, well, as Kim Newman said, that means that Blofeld has basically been planning this thing for like this many decades. Yeah. And he started when he was in school. Yeah. <laughs> so was I'll get you. Really <laughs> yeah. I still have to build the lair, but he, even from the fourth form, I'm planning how to get... <laughs> and I'm going to get so many people on side. I'm going to put on a poker game. It's all going to happen. The wall's going to come down. The empires are going to rise and fall, but I'll get you in the end. <laughs> so hang on. You wanted me to get to this point. So all the other plans, you didn't want yeah, me to die. That's right. Um, but anyway, it sort of reminded me of that, of like, you're going to take two iconic characters and make them related because, ooh, that, that <laughs> makes them inherently, you know, connected. But I much preferred where it ended up that the Joker had <laughs> inspired the, the killing of, of, of the parents. And I thought to me that the joke at the end that he's laughing at when he's in the Mental Health Institute is that he's like, I mean, my interpretation of it, or maybe it's an obvious one, is I have done to Bruce Wayne what has happened to me. Right. I've created trauma. I have put this person in, in a position of privilege in an undeniably crap position and he's going to have to deal with that and I did it and that's funny to me. Okay. Uh, and, and especially if he, especially the person who he, you know, he, he should have had that position because he feels like he, he, I think he kind of believes that he might still be entitled to that life, okay. which, which I think also makes him abhorrent, like that he thinks... He's entitled to stuff. Yeah. Um, there is a, there is a, there is an element in that final thing of um, of the awful end scene from Psycho. Mm-hmm. You know when explaining when everything. Says, yes, and the reason in case you hadn't got this. <laughs> yeah. Well, his mother has been dead for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was I mean that was kind of preempted earlier on, and there is a scene earlier on which does which does go. Oi, at the back, he's not very well. Yeah, 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 yeah. The girlfriend isn't real. Well, she's she's the relationship real. isn't real. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, and I thought that that again, the ending. I, I think it, I think it does feel like it goes on a bit too long, but I think it is important. I mean, the running, the running. I actually like feels like a comedy. Like, yeah, it feels like I, Benny Hill, exactly, but, but I, horrific, and yeah. that goes with what I was saying about like it's directed like a comedy, yeah, even I though it's not. The running along at the end. The running, the I thought was, was great. Good <laughs> but I feel like the film could have ended when he said. You wouldn't get it, yeah. like it could, like, like when he when he says, "I thought I just thought of a joke," yeah. and you wouldn't get it. It could have ended. It could have ended with him pulling the big blood smile on his face. Yeah. It feels like it it could have ended anywhere, and it feels like it, that. And, and I don't feel like it shouldn't have carried on. But an element of me feels like, okay, we're sort of taking a while to wrap up. But anyway, my point of that whole spiel being that I don't know. I still haven't decided whether or not I think that reveling in Batman stuff and also doing character study marry very well right and it and it sort of it felt conflicting to me at times that i was like oh i thought i was watching this character study when in and in, in, instead i'm watching a batman film at the same time it's 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 strange it's something funny stay down 
Very last point. Just on a different thing. Uh, and this, this does... Like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've just complained about endings. Very last point. Bye. Um, I'm off now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I promise this podcast coming to an end. Um, my biggest problem with the film, and I overall, again, loved it. I uh, thought it was beautifully shot as well. We haven't really mentioned that, but I thought it was beautifully oh, yeah, shot. It does look good. Um, to me, he never fully felt like the Joker. And maybe it's just because I'm bringing my own sense of who that character should be. And But you're making a film called Joker. like Everyone knows who he is. But I think I'm so married to the Heath Ledger thing of he's nuts, but he has beliefs and he is trying to prove a point mm. and he's manipulative and he's calculated. And in this, and again, it's a different interpretation and maybe it just doesn't work for me as much, but it feels like he doesn't know what he's going to do until he's done it. Yeah. And there's something scary about that. Yeah. But I think that... The, the implication is that when he's on the talk show, he's going to kill himself, and he's going to bring him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he goes yeah. on because it, there's a reference to network clearly mm-hmm. that you know it's the he's he's going to go on live television and blow and his, his brains out, yeah. which again is and prove a point. Met, so and then he chooses. Actually, no, I'm going to I'm going to kill you. Yeah, and I don't think he knows he's going to do that until he's on the show. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. And also, but also killing Murray. Murray, <laughs> but, but is is also in terms of his own. Is, is is a failure killing himself mm-hmm. to say look at me I've been treated so badly yeah. and this is a, is one thing mm-hmm. but shooting Murray is a totally different thing yeah. which is a, which is in itself a failure be- yeah. because you know I I think I agree with your point about he doesn't ever seem to be to be Joker because I thought that the point was that Joker is actually everyone else's reaction mm-hmm. Joker is all the rioters with the with yeah. the face masks on and and that's why there's a kind of there's a like disorganised V for Vendetta thing going on there yeah. which is that you know and this again it's, it's to where the source of all this stuff comes from but it's that or, it's that idea that, that Joker exists as an idea as a, as, a, uh, as opposed to a person which of course was mm-hmm. actually explored in the Chris Nolan film. yeah that he's well. a symbol in the same yeah. way that, the, that Batman is and, yeah. and even in the talk show he says did you do this to become a symbol yeah. and he goes no I don't believe in anything yeah. and I that's something that rubs me the wrong way in terms of who the Joker is because yeah. I think he's totally uh, in the yeah. Dark Knight he's trying to prove that yeah. all people are inherently like him I don't want to see another movie now no. in which in which Joaquin Phoenix is Joker but I want that to be it I know that they've said that there may be but, you know, but I want that to be it I don't mm. want to now see no I don't want to see another one and, you know organises crimes and all that sort yeah. of stuff because I, that wouldn't make any sense at mm. all because I, I think the inherent difference actually in what you've just said is that Joker in in this and the Joker in in the Dark Knight, the Joker wants Batman to kill him because mm. then he wins, yeah. and he's trying to tempt him constantly into yeah. doing it to prove a point. And I think that in this, he has no grander point, and he doesn't know what he's going to do until he's done it, and he's just reveling in the chaos of it, which in, in in its way is its own interpretation of Joker. But for me, just didn't fit what I perceive to be the character. He, he just didn't seem to be smart enough or calculated enough. To he's not the guy who's going to have two fairies with a bomb switch, is he? Yeah. And go, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. not going to happen. He's not, he's not going to manipulate a situation. Like, like the, the, the whole scene with, with Harvey Dent um, in The Dark Knight where he manipulates him and tells him about like how if I tell the press that a gangbanger or some soldiers will get blown up... Yeah. And, and he just, you know, that, that manipulative yeah. side of him is not explored here. 
and that's something I kind of missed. But it would have been the same thing again. So it's different. The white smoke suggests that they've elected three new popes since we started talking. So we're going to bring this to a close. Uh, and actually, the weird thing is, we could carry on. So, yeah. But uh, thanks ever so much. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Let us know if you want us to talk about any past movies as well. We, we've we've we always do that. Talk yeah. about. Old yeah. films as well. There's a couple of things that I want you to watch that mm-hmm. just, ju- just so that we can have a row about them. Okay. Anyway, Jack, thanks very much. See you soon. Bye-bye. So there we are. Thanks for listening to this Comment on Film podcast. Jack will be back with us in the very near future. If you've enjoyed, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, and keep watching the skies. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.